Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Locked On NBA. On today's show, we'll grade Markel Fultz's performance in his first game back since October, then take a look at how last night's game impacted the playoff picture in both conferences. Then we'll tell you which fallen star will make the biggest difference for their team upon their return before previewing tonight's biggest games. It's Locked On NBA. Thank you so much for listening and for subscribing. Now let's get to the show. are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm a credentialed writer covering the NBA for The Step Back. You can find me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. And I'm David Romillo, credentialed NBA writer who's covered the league at large for SB Nation, Fansite, and FanRag Sports. And you can follow me and my writing on Twitter at DRomill13. Let's get right into the recaps of last night's games. We have to start with the return of Markel Fultz, the Markel revival, the miracle on Fultz Street. Babyface got back, David. Philadelphia beating the Denver Nuggets 123-104. to After a wild and mysterious series of events, Markel Fultz played his first game since October he missed the last 68 games, and after doing that, Fultz had 10 points and 8 assists in 14 minutes, and the Sixers got the win, beating the Nuggets 123-104. to David will go more into what Fultz's return means for the future of the Sixers later on, but how would you grade his performance last night? Uh, technically, I'd rate it uh, a B, but uh, overall, I'd give it an A+, plus just because of what it represents for the 76ers and for Fultz himself. You know, obviously, it's been such an up-and-down start to his NBA career. He's only 19 years old, but I think coming back into the coming into the game, getting that kind of warm ovation that he did from the Philadelphia crowd really will help him move forward. Uh, I think he's going to be able to put all the talk and all the intrigue and the mystery regarding his injury and his poor shooting and the mechanics and everything that we've seen kind of play out dramatically over the last few months. I think he's going to be able to put that behind him and he can just concentrate on playing basketball, which is probably what he should have done all along anyway. But whether there was an injury or not, it looks like he's moved on and I think he's going to be able to continue to do so. You know, it, it, the first time he touched the ball, he turned the ball over. He shot an air ball. He uh, had a shot blocked. But then, you know, he, he made some nice forays to the rim. He had yeah. some craftiness in his moves. Things The things that we saw from him in Washington that got him drafted number one overall. He had a jump shot, I think, in the third quarter. Yes. Just a straight, like, 16, 17-footer, and the crowd lost their minds. Uh, and, and and reasonably so. I mean, look, he, that was the question, right? He spent most of the first half just going to the rim, and I was like, all right, that's great. Uh, but we need to see if that jumper is for real or if it, if you're really shooting from your waist like you've been doing or whatever he's been doing. It looked still a little herky-jerky. There was obviously some rust that needed to get shaken off, but he was a plus 16 yeah. for the game. Uh, that you know That's a little bit inflated just because Philadelphia blew out Denver overall, and then there was a lot of garbage time for Marco Fultz toward the end there. Uh, but we'll talk about more of Marco Fultz later and what he means to the Sixers going forward, but they dominated that second half. They scored 72 points combined in the third and fourth quarters. Joel Embiid dominated the matchup versus Nikola Jokic. Nobody wants to play the Sixers right now the way they're playing. Yeah, I mean, they've won several games in a row. Uh, that matchup between Embiid and Jokic, I mean, that was clearly going to go in Embiid's favor. Jokic is not much of a defender at this point. He's got some length to make things uncomfortable, uh, but Philadelphia just looks really good. I don't know if the false addition, as I, you know, we're sure to talk about later on, I'm not sure if it's going to make much of an impact on their playoffs 
but it's great overall. It's a really good story, and it ties up some loose ends there that have been open all year long as to why he wasn't playing. So I think it, it's it's a nice story. Uh, and as far as Philadelphia is concerned, they do look really dangerous. I, I'm not sure what their ceiling is. You know, I, I, I'm curious to know whether or not they have the kind of short-sightedness to just say, you know what, regardless of the fact that we're young and inexperienced, we can approach the, the playoffs just like any other game and and be able to make that kind of transition. But that's historically not the way things have played out in the NBA. That was the big headline game of the night. Uh, some other games happened. They did. <laughs> didn't, they, they did happen. Um, and we'll get, well, let's get through them now. Let's move on to Charlotte and New York. Michigan got, went off into the final <laughs> four. And that was a big moment because former Wolverine Trey Burke Went off against the Knicks. Burke hung 42 points and 12 assists on the Hornets. That still wasn't enough to lift the Knicks to a win. Kemba Walker was just too clutch at the end. He drilled a three with less than 30 seconds left to force overtime. And then he just took over from there in the extra period. Walker scored 31 points. And the Hornets got the win, 137 to 120. Yeah, 11 points from Kemba Walker, who probably doesn't get enough recognition around the league, particularly this year with the Hornets struggling as much as they have. He, he was sensational. Uh, and, you know, his names were his name was one of those tossed around there right before the NBA trade deadline in February. I wonder if that's going to happen again in, over the offseason. Uh, it's it's a curious thing. Uh, you know, obviously they're going to be rebuilding. But Kemba Walker seems like, you know, considering his low, relatively low contract value, I think he provides excellent production for that. And, uh, you know, I think he could be a guy that you build around. But at the same time, I understand why they were looking to shop him in hopes of getting maybe a first-round pick and, again, reigniting the, the the whole rebuilding process. But as far as Trey Burke is concerned, had a huge game. Uh, you know, a, a guy who was considered by many to be out of the league and maybe never really going to be a player again, spent some time in the G League for the Knicks, was able to – he got the call-up not that long ago, and he's been playing very, very well, to be honest with you, for the Knicks. And, and that 42-point, 12-assist production, that's amazing. First player to have that stat line in the regular season since LeBron in 2010. That's that's pretty impressive. And in a regular season loss, I should ask. Charlotte's bench outscored New York's 52-24. to 24. Um, That was a really, really strong showing. Not that it really matters because neither of these teams are in the playoffs. Knicks doing a good job of losing games despite Trey Burks's effort. Um Let's move on to Memphis and Minnesota. The Grizzlies beating the Timberwolves 101 to 93. The Grizzlies torched the Wolves from three-point range. And Minnesota took a bad L during what was supposed to be an easy stretch of their schedule. For the Grizzlies, Wayne Seldon put up 23 points. Marcus Saul had 20. And Memphis made 15 of their 31 three-point attempts. Minnesota opened the game tied for seventh place in the West. And this was the first in a three-game stretch against tanking teams in which they could have padded their record to maybe even move up in the Western Conference. Instead, they take a loss. Looking forward for them, they'll play Atlanta next, followed by Dallas. Again, like Memphis, those two teams are actively trying to lose, even though they'll say otherwise. Uh, And hopefully Minnesota will actively try harder to win those games. Yeah, not a particularly impressive showing for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Obviously, they're still missing Jimmy Butler, who adds so much to their team. I think that's something we'll probably talk about in in our second segment of the show. Um, but look, uh, you know, Minnesota has been up and down for this last, last half of the, the season there. They've gotten some quality play out of Chandler Parsons. Uh, Marcus all looked pretty good. And, and you never know what to expect for them. They, they've had some strong showings and then they've had uh, terrible showings, too. So for Minnesota, though, I think they're you have to go and, and you have to be a little concerned uh, about whether or not they're going to be able to 
actually make some noise in the playoffs. I think obviously Butler changes things considerably, uh, but you know, you have to be able to incorporate him and get him back into the flow of the offense and everything else. And uh, I'm not sure what Minnesota's outlook is like for the postseason, to be honest with you. The Pistons beat the Lakers 112 to 106. Reggie Jackson's starting to bounce back. This is the best game he has had since returning to the lineup for the Pistons. Uh, it's his fourth game back from an ankle sprain. He scored 20 points, albeit on 22 shots. He also had three assists. Uh, not the most efficient scoring night, but he looked aggressive in getting his shot. And if, and, and if you're Detroit, that's really what you're looking for. And then they seemed optimistic after the game with how he's starting to bounce back there. Yeah, you kind of wonder whether Detroit's season could have gone differently if uh, Reggie Jackson had been able to stay healthy, obviously. I mean, maybe they wouldn't have swung the deal for Blake Griffin. Who knows? But uh, still, having Jackson in there really does provide a boost. Uh, I think that's something that they've been missing. You know, relying on Ish Smith isn't necessarily a guarantee for the playoffs, that's for sure. And for the Lakers, Julius Randle, Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball. Continue to play well for them. That's a nice young trio. Hopefully they don't break it up just to get some guy named LeBron in there. Just kidding. Um, and our last game of the night, the Boston Celtics beating the Suns 102-94. to It's a frustrating game for Boston and Brad Stevens. They couldn't get the offense going for most of the game, but they started to pull away toward the end of the third quarter, and that continued into the fourth quarter thanks to uh, Marcus Morris and Jason Tatum, who each uh, had big scoring games for them that night. Well, what do you expect? I mean, with half their roster hurt or banged up or just trying to get back into playing shape, it's not like they're going to be out there looking like a world beater anytime soon. Uh, you know, Phoenix is a particularly bad team. So at least from Boston's perspective, they're able to notch an e- a relatively easy win against a bad team. Uh, and, and, you know, they're going to get these players back, uh, you know, Kyrie later than sooner. But at the same time, I think uh, they, they're still continuing to stay true to themselves. And it gives other players experience you know, late in the season so that they can understand the playoff pressure and what's going to be at stake in a few weeks. So let's look at that current playoff picture as it stands now. We'll start with the Western Conference. First seed, Houston, if the if the playoffs started today, would play the Minnesota Timberwolves in the first round. Golden State would be matched up with Utah. Third seeded, Portland mm-hmm. would play San Antonio. Fourth seeded, Oklahoma City would play New Orleans. That would be a really great first round. Yeah, a lot of fun there. I mean, there's some there's some good matchups there. Golden State, Utah looks like one would be particularly interesting, especially without Steph Curry likely to miss the first round of the playoffs. Contrasting styles, right? Golden State's small ball versus Utah's twin towers with Favors and Gobert. You're right. Well, as far as the Eastern Conference is concerned, so far we've got Toronto in the first seed going up against Miami, currently holding the eighth seed. Boston, number two, facing the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo. The Cleveland Cavaliers currently holding on to that third seed, going up against the struggling Washington Wizards. So that would be an interesting matchup. And the Philadelphia 76ers surging into the fourth seed and home court advantage against the Indiana Pacers, who have slipped a little bit lately at the fifth seed. And don't sleep on Philadelphia. If things break right on that April 6th game versus Cleveland, they could grab that third seed from from the Cavaliers. That's a game that you should circle on your calendar. We'll tell you why Marco Fultz's return could be an important uh, for the Sixers in the playoffs. But first, quick reminder that Locked On NBA has moved to a new five-day-a-week format. Think of it as your bite-sized briefing for the most important stories around the league. So subscribe to Locked On NBA on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app, the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'll preview the biggest games of the night later on. But we got to talk more about this Markel Fultz situation, David, who makes his sort of debut. It's important to have him back in the fold and in the swing of things because if you're the Sixers, if you're head coach Brett Brown, you want to see some development there just from a player personnel standpoint. And then just from like a – we don't know – we didn't know what was going on with this guy. And so this just 
creates some clarity, adds some clarity to the whole situation. Okay, we see him on the court. He's playing. He could shoot the ball straight in front of his face, and that's a, an improvement from those those uh, those. Uh, Bigfoot videos that we saw from him, you know, dur- before when he's like working out for a couple seconds here and there during uh, practices and stuff like that. I don't, and you mentioned this earlier in the first segment, David, it's probably not going to make much of an impact for the Sixers in the playoffs. He came off of the bench behind Ben Simmons. He only played 14 minutes in that game. He's going to continue to shake that rust off and get back into the swing of things here. But, you know, I think that there's a lot of hype around Philadelphia. I mentioned earlier, no team wants to really play them in the playoffs. To con- to consider them a title contender even right now with the way Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are playing is still a little presumpti- presumptuous. I-, I think it's a little it- – it- we're not quite there yet with the Sixers. Hmm. But I think this is going to be important for Fultz. If he can return here, again, shake some of that rest off and then get into the postseason and get some playoff experience as a rookie, I think that would be really useful for him in the Sixers. <laughs> I mean, it depends on what you're looking at, whether you're looking in the near or the the long-term future for this team. I mean, from the long-term perspective, absolutely. I think Fultz's experience in the playoffs, his first season as a, a number one overall pick, think about that. I mean, n- mostly number one picks are, are, are selected by really bad teams and it's a rebuilding process. Think of Carl Anthony Towns, a number one pick a few years ago, Andrew Wiggins the year before that. Both of those guys have never tasted the playoffs and they're entering their fourth and third years respectively. So, I mean, th- they have never really had an opportunity to know what that atmosphere is like. They're continuing to struggle through games and, and understand the whole process. And, and so for, for faults, I think it's a, it's a great thing. Um, and, and, you know, so he can just get that taste for it, uh, for the team itself. I don't know that he's going to contribute all that much. Um, you know, so it's, as far as the near, the, the near term or the short term is, is concerned, I, I, I don't know that it's going to have much of an immediate impact for, for Markel to get that kind of taste of the playoffs. They, I, I would, I think the best situation for them is that TJ McConnell still gets more minutes than Markel Fultz <laughs> at this point. The way McConnell's been playing, I want to see TJ McConnell in the playoffs. I mean, that guy was built for the postseason, right? Is he going to have like a, way he, a Matthew Dellavedova impact, perhaps? Yeah, I think that was, but even better because um, he won't get technicals and get ejected from games for dirty plays. Um, but uh, you know, if you're, if, I, that was a really good point. I mean, you don't even LeBron didn't go to the playoffs this first year. I mean, this is a very rare thing, so they get that experience, and that's really the Sixers' whole philosophy in this process is thinking long-term, and even no matter how good the 76ers are this season, I think the goal is still obviously long-term. Yes, they add a guy like Marco Bellinelli and Ersan Olisova to bolster that bench and make more of a run here, but ultimately that's only going to help these young guys. If they're able to advance past the first round and into the Eastern Conference playoffs further, it's only going to help them get gain more experience and and help them in the long term. Speaking of the postseason, there's a lot of stars that are injured right now, and the the Sixers they just got one of their guys back in Fultz. But you look around the league right now, and players for real contenders, players for pseudo contenders, players for not even close to contenders are all injured. And we're heading into the postseason right now, and a lot of these guys are sort of slated to come back either right before the playoffs begin. Or as soon as, or or as late as maybe even the second round, and in, in the case of some someone like Steph Curry here, John Wall for the Wizards again, Curry for the Warriors, Kawhi Leonard, who knows when he's going to come back? Jimmy Butler hoping to come back by the end of the regular season, um, that may or may not happen. And then Kyrie Irving, who just underwent a, a procedure that the Celtics are calling minimally invasive, and he could miss anywhere between three and six weeks, which could be the difference between one missing one or two rounds if the Celtics even get that far. So, David, I'm going to ask you this question. 
of those players, who makes the biggest difference to their team if and when he returns specifically for the playoffs? That's difficult. Uh, I I mean, there's so many different perspectives about this. And so you kind of have to look at each case individually and, and, and kind of gauge the goals of each team. At least that's what I, I, how I kind of approach this. And for a guy like John Wall, I, obviously he makes the Wizards better, but they've shown that they have some metal, uh, that they can continue to thrive uh, without him. And I think that's that's good. And I think that's great for the Wizards. So as far as his impact when he returns, although he'll make an impact, that remains to be seen whether or not he's going to be able to smoothly transition back onto this offense. I think you're going to have some growing pains there trying to get reacclimated with a player like Wall who holds the ball, who controls so much of the offense. This isn't just to say that the Wizards were, you know, back going back a few weeks when the Wall injury first took place and everybody eating because Wall was out of the lineup. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case where it's going to be a, a massive disruption there, but for Wall – I mean, there, there is going to be some struggle there. And, and I think so. He, his impact is not going to be as significant, in my opinion. Curry, I think he has uh, the potential to make the most impact because look at look at Golden State's ultimate goal is to win a championship. Anything less than that is not necessarily a failure, but falling short of your, your goal. And so you can't do that without Steph Curry. If there's a chance that they get upset in the first round, doesn't seem likely. But just even if he comes back, um, you know, he's going to be struggling. This ankle injury is going to be lingering there. It's going to be a problem throughout the rest of the playoffs. And we already saw what happened in 2016 when there was a Curry mm-hmm. at less than full strength. Um, yep. This opens the door for a lot of teams, namely the Houston Rockets and the Western Conference. And even should they advance the Toronto Raptors, whoever represents the East has a legitimate chance should they go up against the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors are the Warriors are still a good team without Steph Curry. Obviously, they have sure. a guy named Kevin Durant. He's pretty good at basketball. So. Clay Thompson always picks it up. <laughs> Clay Thompson always picks it up in the postseason. You, you're going to get playoff Clay, um, and so does Andre Iguodala. You know, this is still obviously a really strong team, but they are built around Steph Curry. Steph Curry, and and you know when when Curry is off the court they're still pretty good they still have a net rating of plus 4.3 that would be in the top 4 or 5 in the NBA but when he's on the court the warriors are outscoring teams by almost 15 points per 100 possessions that's an insane net rating for Steph Curry i mean that would blow the current leader in the NBA out of the water and by the way the current leader is the warriors a little bit over 9 in the net rating and they are just that much better when curry is on the floor and ultimately what those net ratings mean is that they go from by far the best team in the league to one of the best teams in the league. And just that difference, you know, being on par with Toronto and, and Houston opens the door for those teams to possibly beat them. And and like you said, we saw what happened when Curry's ankle wasn't at 100%. The Warriors didn't win the title. So that I th- I'm with you. I think Curry's going to probably have the biggest impact, but there's well, other guys here too yeah, as well. Yeah, that's what I'm I actually – as big an impact as Curry has within the, the bigger scheme of things, look, Kawhi Leonard changes the dynamic of the Spanish, San Antonio Spurs. Um, but at the same time, it's the Spurs. I, I don't think that they have enough this year to actually be a title contender. They can be a disruptive force in the playoffs. But I think Leonard's return is more about just getting him acclimated onto the team, kind of smoothing over whatever issues that might be between him and the front office and the rest of his players. Like we, we were, we're starting to see, if not the crumbling of the Spurs dynamic as we've seen it, a, a change, a massive one at that. I think. And although the Spurs organization is trying to keep things under tight, you know, tightly uh, closed, 
But at the same time, I think, you know, there's just been too much smoke there to disregard it altogether. I think there are issues there. And I, and I wonder whether or not if Kawhi returns, at least those can be put behind them and they can continue to grow and move forward into the next season. Because at this, you know, let's be honest, they're not going to really win a title this year. So it's all about continuing their growth and, and, and kind of changing the guard a little bit from the older players to the younger players. I think Kawhi understands that too. And that's why he's not... I mean, the Spurs reportedly had a players-only meeting in which they basically all hounded Kawhi and said, please come back. And Leonard, he doesn't want to come back if he's not 100%. This is, of course, it's according to reports. Who knows what's actually happening there? But uh, if that's true, you get the sense that Kawhi is like, look, Houston and Golden State are just better than us. Even if I'm playing, I'm not going to come back and risk my long-term health just to advance maybe one more round in the playoffs. Right. It's pointless. You know, let's go. Let, let me get into this offseason. Let me work out. Let me get back into 100% shape. Let's draft somebody good. Let's bolster this team a little bit more, and then we'll move forward. But for now, I mean, I'm just putting words in his mouth, but it would make sense. And I think it's actually the, you know, if you're the Spurs and you and you think, well, we want Kawhi back, I think I'm on Leonard's side if it, this is indeed what's going on here. Just play the long game. I mean, this is your this is your career, and he's still very, very young and still very early in his career. Yeah. For, for as far as Kyrie Irving is concerned, I, you know, I've maintained all season long – that this has been house money for the Celtics. I mean, this was unexpected success. You know, with the loss of Gordon Hayward, uh, anything that they've been able to accomplish this year is all about building a foundation of something bigger and better when Hayward does eventually come back next season. So his return, while it probably makes a difference of them being able to advance past the first round, I don't know that it's going to be that much of an impact because, again, they're not a legitimate title contender without Hayward. They're a very, very good team that has exceeded expectations considerably. So I'm not quite sure that I can look at his impact, whether he comes. I think also looking at what Boston does well, as much as you require Irving to be at the top of his game, I think they can still beat up teams defensively in the playoffs and still manage to squeak by. At this point, they're going to match up against the Milwaukee Bucks. They can probably still get a first round win against the Bucks, I think, because Milwaukee's been so inconsistent. I mean, if you but if you look at the Bucks, they'll have by far the best player on the floor in that sure. series. That's not necessarily the case of Kyrie Irving is playing. I, Giannis is still obviously the better player, but I think Kyrie Irving is still probably a top 12 player in today's game right now when healthy, and that narrows the gap a little bit. I, I, I understand what you're saying with Boston, but at the same time, I mean, we're talking about the difference between possibly a first-round exit or going to the conference finals, and the difference between that is... Yeah, but- does it matter Maybe. though? But does well, it matter? Trying, yeah, it's a whole thing. Like Boston, I mean, outside of Beantown, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe to the Celtics fans, it does. But even still, it's like you know, they've accomplished so much already. This really isn't going to make much of a difference. It's for them. It's it's all about being able to win a title over the next couple of years with Hayward in the fold. This season has been a success without Irving. With Irving, whether they get a first round bye, whether they get booted out in the first round, it doesn't really matter. So to me. The guy who actually makes the biggest impact, I think, is actually Jimmy Butler. I think he's – in order for Milwaukee – I'm sorry, Minnesota to have any chance in the playoffs, they need Butler at full strength. Um, but not only that, it's about a bigger picture with the, the the Timberwolves as well. Not only is it the first time for them to go into the playoffs in years, but it's also a justification of, of Tom Thibodeau's system, of the way he grinds the players out. Like we, we've seen – we're seeing some reports out of Minnesota that some players are kind of brushing back a little bit, that guys are tired at the benches and producing or getting any kind of opportunities for play there. So I think Jimmy Butler's return means so much for the stability of a, of a franchise that hasn't really had much stability. So 
I think this is the one that really makes the biggest difference for the team. You know, not necessarily for a bigger picture, but for the team, I think it's a huge. Uh, it's a huge I'm I'd still go with Steph Curry as being the biggest difference because I really do think it can be. It, it's the difference between the the Warriors almost. I w- I don't want to say walking, but almost walking to a title win, and possibly just not. And and that that's maybe not even making the finals at all. Um, but Jimmy Butler, you're right, makes a huge difference. For the Wolves, you want to see what they got, and they, they're not going to be able to get that chance if Jimmy Butler is not playing. Uh, we'll preview tonight's best games, a busy, a busy Tuesday with some interesting cross, cross-conference matchups. But don't forget that in addition to the daily Locked On NBA show, the Locked On Podcast Network also has a daily show for your favorite NBA team. So go ahead and subscribe to your team's channel on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. By subscribing to both Locked On NBA and your favorite team show, you'll be covered with everything that you need to know. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We got eight games on the schedule tonight, David. Let's start with Portland at New Orleans, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. If the Pelicans win, they move into fourth place in the West because they own the tiebreaker over the Thunder, and then they're within a game and a half of the Portland Trailblazers. Big game for the Pelicans, but if the Blazers win, they'll extend their lead for the third seed to three games and with not many with very less than 10 games left on the schedule for everybody that's a pretty significant lead if the, if the Blazers win they're just going to keep hanging a third seed could be huge for them home court advantage obviously for them but then the Pelicans of course they've got home court advantage possibly in the first round of the playoffs on the line tonight as well such a great story out of Portland a team that I don't think many people expected to be as strong as they've been lately, they've really changed their, the way they win games, emphasizing defense at a level that they have not in previous years. And, of course, Damon Lillard playing at an MVP level. Uh, you know, I, this should be a really fun game between two second-tier yep. MVP candidates behind James Harden, I suppose. Uh, you know, it, it's it's just a great matchup, a lot of fun. And, of course, like you said, with playoff implications as far as their seeding is concerned. If the playoffs were to start today, Cleveland would play Milwaukee – in the first round, but according to basketball references, um, playoff predictions, Cleveland will actually play Miami in the first round. And we've got a preview of that game tonight, Cleveland at Miami on TNT, eight o'clock Eastern time. That's going to be a good game. LeBron James versus the heat Miami's ensemble crew versus basically LeBron and Kevin love should be an interesting matchup. Yeah. LeBron is, uh, historically struggled since leaving Miami in 2014. Every time he comes back to the American Airlines Arena, either he hasn't had a particularly big game or he sat out an unusually high number of games. I, I mean, I can recall at least two or three times that he sat out over the last few years when he's returned to Miami. So that's uh, it should be an interesting one seeing Dwayne Wade now in the Miami Heat uniform. That should be a, a great storyline as well. Uh, a lot of fond memories still for LeBron in South Florida. So it's always a great matchup. But Miami – Look, they're coming off of two bad losses to the Oklahoma City Thunder and Indiana Pacers over the weekend. This is a chance for them to get back on track against a Cavs team that's kind of still struggling for an identity after the trade deadline and and the kind of major upheaval they went through on their roster. Some interesting cross-matches between conferences tonight, too. San Antonio at Washington, Denver at Toronto, Milwaukee at the Clippers. Which one of those are you watching? Uh, probably Milwaukee to Clippers. I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup. Both those teams kind of, uh, you know, cl- the Clippers are kind of struggling with the eighth seed. They're trying to, you know, make their final playoff push. They've exceeded expectations as well. Milwaukee again, uh, you know, th- that should be a really interesting one. They're beginning a West Coast road trip now. And, uh, you know, they're holding on to that seventh seed for dear life that can make the difference between facing a, a banged up Boston Celtics team or having to go up against a really strong Toronto team. 
Luckily, you're not going to have to choose because that's the late night game. Uh, Milwaukee Clippers TNT at 1030. But of those three, I'm most interested in Denver at Toronto. Mm. I kind of know what Denver is at this point. I used to, I, I I really enjoyed watching them in the middle of the season, but I'm watching every Raptors game I get a chance to watch at, at this point, and I'm excited for that one. So I'm mostly watching Denver at Toronto just for Toronto at home. Uh, yeah. Other notable games, Chicago at Houston, uh, Dallas at Sacramento, Indiana at Golden State. Of course, the Warriors mm. are still beat up a little bit. Houston is always going to do what Houston does, and Chicago is always going to do what Chicago does. Um, not a whole lot of interest in those games unless you disagree. I, I like the Indiana Golden State matchup. If anything, it's kind of a, a change of different styles there with Indiana and their strong mid-range game. Um, I think compared to the Golden State lineup of shooters, or at least the shooters that would be out there if they were all healthy. So if this was a Golden State team that was perfectly healthy, I think I'd be a lot more invested in that late game there. But, oh, yeah. Uh, for now, it, it looks like it might be a, a good opportunity for Indiana to steal a win in the uh, Bay Area. Some scouting on Quinn Cook, too, for the Warriors. Um, that's all we have for today. You could subscribe to Locked on NBA and iTunes or your favorite podcast app. We'll be back next Tuesday. John Corrales and Jake Madison got you on Locked on NBA tomorrow. Thank you for listening. Thanks for joining me, David.